Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Story time. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, "What the f are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass." So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. My brother and I were camping outside of Wasp, Tennessee at the foothills of the Appalachians. Me, him and two dogs were sitting around a fire at around 2 a.m. A rock the size of a basketball came hurling off the top of the rock face that was about 50 foot up in an arch that landed just short of our fire. We thought maybe it had just rolled from higher up and got some speed but then we heard growling. 
Not like a mountain lion or a bear, much deeper. Our dogs who were very quiet hunting dogs began growling with their legs between their tails. We noped right into the tent and got our rifles, like something that can hurl a friggin' rock like cares about bullets. Another time my uncle and I were hunting South Alabama in a giant old pine tree orchard. We stumbled upon around 15 deer carcasses up in the top of the trees, we summed it up to poachers and went on our way. Once we were in the deer stand we heard screaming like a woman but so guttural it made my skin crawl, and for the first time in my life I saw fear in that man's eyes. He looked me in my face said f this bullshit and started gathering our gear. Later on one of his good friends, full Native American, explained that the sound was a windigo. I don't know if he was screwing with us or not but I've never heard a sound like that before. Took me a couple years to go in the woods before or after daylight again. I was at the gas station with a few friends we were getting gas and I had just a weird feeling all morning. I look at my Snapchat story views and there are 666 with 6 screenshots. Me and my friend immediately both notice and make eye contact and I shut my phone off. Time passes we're still in the same spot waiting for our friend to get out of the store and a truck pulls in next to us. The man that got out had sunglasses on and I just got a feeling when I saw him. About 10 more minutes go by just us sitting there and he walks out again but with no glasses on. He stands in front of me and smiles with his teeth and his eyes were completely black. His bottom eyelashes were very thick and probably an inch long. I whisper to my friend look at that man's eyes and she saw his side profile and turned ghost white. I got tears in my eyes and goosebumps. I was born in northern New Jersey and grew up there. When we were teenagers my friends and I explored supposedly haunted places for fun, so we had a lot of memorable experiences up in that area. Nothing too crazy happened to us while exploring Shades of Death Ghost Lake, apart from a generally weird vibe and hearing some creepy sounds, but about 20 minutes north of there in Sussex County was a different story. Two memories immediately come to mind where I actually saw something. The first is the lake monster of Forest Lake. I was about 12 years old, swimming halfway between main beach and the floating dock, when I felt something cold and very firm brush my toes. That water is tea-colored and silty, so you can't see too far down before visibility turns to zero. I was small then and kind of treading in place, so I could still see my feet in the murky water. After feeling that nudge, I looked down just in time to see this absolutely massive creature gliding slowly beneath me. It was huge, and I mean huge, maybe 10 to 12 feet long. In the moment, it just seemed to go on and on as it passed beneath me. I remember it was grey and sort of dappled in color, it felt smooth and kind of slimy. I absolutely flipped out and swam to that floating dock faster than I have ever swam in my life. Everyone thought I was making it up but I refused to get back in the water. After about half an hour, my mother's boyfriend had to come and forcibly get me, and he swam me back to shore in a lifeguard carry. I actually never swam out in that lake again. If I went there with my family, my feet had to be touching the sand, I would not go any further out. I was ridiculed for it, but I didn't care. 
Folks tried to get me to admit I was just a kid and imagined it, or maybe it was like a fallen tree somehow floating autonomously through the water, but I know what I saw and felt. It was alive and it was swimming. Years later, a local friend, who I had never shared my story with, told me she'd heard from her parents about there supposedly being some kind of lake monster in Forest Lake, she described it as a prehistoric fish. I don't know about that, but it was pretty validating. It's a 45-acre lake, so who knows what is in there. To this day I hate swimming in lakes and will rarely do it because of that experience. The second is about the werewolf of Cranberry Lake. We had heard rumors over the years about there being a werewolf out in the deep woods of Alamuchi State Park, but we never saw anything, until one summer night in 2008. There were five of us walking down a moonlit path in a marshy area, with one dying flashlight, just messing around as teenagers do, when we saw something moving down in a ditch beside the path. It was skulking low to the ground, and the clearest detail I remember is the joints didn't seem to bend the right way, like a cricket's back legs. It made a sudden, guttural growl and took off. Only saw a glimpse of it through the underbrush, but it was really solid and muscular looking, with short tawny fur. It bolted, and we ran away in the opposite direction. At first we theorized it was an injured mountain lion, but cougars don't exist in NJ. Back then we were sold on it being a werewolf. Werecat would make more sense. I still have no rational explanation. We were stone cold sober and we all saw it. Didn't get a good look at the head because it was down low but I remember the body just being so muscular and the back legs being bent wrong. We were absolutely wired and stayed for hours at the local diner talking about it and telling everyone who would listen. That was a good night. While working as a park ranger, I had an experience with the supernatural. It was a scary ordeal, I must confess. A group of hikers had gotten lost in the woods, and my fellow rangers and I had decided to scout out the area. We got the general direction from the report that was made by their own families. Heading off in the direction, we drove until we got to the entrance of the woods, where they at last made contact with their families, according to the report. We parked the car just outside the woods and proceeded to search for them. We had searched for a better part of the day without anything to show for it. It was late in the evening already, and we had walked deep into the woods. I was feeling uneasy with every step we took. It was as if there was a terrifying monster hidden within the woods. A sense of terror suddenly engulfed me, making me break out in cold sweat. I glanced at my colleague, who seemed to have sensed nothing as his expression was as usual. I could not put my finger on it, but something eerie was happening in the woods. Suddenly, we began seeing strange markings, words written in an unknown language, different depictions on trees. What was strange was the fact that my colleague, for some reason, was unaware of everything. It was like he was in another dimension, detached from his surroundings. It was in that moment that it hit me, a dimension. Had he mistakenly stepped into a dimensional portal? Was that how the hikers had gotten lost? Had they stepped into it as well? If they had, that would explain the disappearance and why we were unable to find traces of them. It was, of course, a mind-blowing theory, so I wanted to test it out. 
I moved closer to my colleague, attempted to touch him, but my hands went right through him like he did not exist. I could see him but couldn't touch him. I called out his name, hoping to get his attention and alert him to the danger we were in. I called out his name several more times, even radioed him, yet he continued walking deeper into the woods like a puppet on its string, being pulled. After my futile attempts, I proceeded to search for the missing party on my own. I came across so many skeletons and bones piled up into a small mountain. At this point, the terror in my heart had reached its peak. I resisted the urge to scream. I beat a hasty retreat and stepped on numerous bones in the process. What scared me was that the bones did not let out the usual crunch sound after being stepped on. Rather, they simply crumbled into dust. I could not help but wonder how long these bones had been buried there. This took my mind to the missing hikers. Were they already bones, or were they alive like me? Terrified and hopeless, I was at my wit's end already, and I could not help but feel despair. I glanced at my wristwatch to check the time, but what I saw shocked me. Time moves faster here. I had barely spent two hours in the woods, yet my wristwatch was displaying a date that was two days ahead. Two hours equal two days here. At this rate, my lifespan would run out before whatever was lurking around would kill me. At this point, all I had in my mind was how to escape this hell hole that I had somehow gotten myself into. All thoughts of searching and rescuing the lost hikers did not cross my mind. At this point, all I could think of was how to get out of my situation. My mind was in chaos, disoriented, and I could not think straight. Just when I thought things could not get any worse, I began hearing voices, and the feeling of being stalked overwhelmed me. I could feel something or someone watching me, and the thought of that made me panic. There was nothing scarier than the unknown, especially in a place such as this. I kept on walking, and my nerves were taut and on edge, ready to react to any situation. I moved on without a sense of direction, hoping to luckily find an exit or something. Glancing at my wristwatch, I saw to my utter dismay that I had spent close to a week now trapped in this place. While I was aware that time was moving faster, things would be different as long as I found an exit. It did nothing to comfort me. I had no idea when I would find an exit out of this dimension. By the time I had spent a couple of months, I threw a stroke of luck. I was able to find a way out. The moment I stepped out, my walkie-talkie buzzed incessantly. People had been trying to reach me and even my colleague. I radioed my colleague but got no reply. I knew he was still trapped in there, and there was no hope for him to get out. He was not even aware. My story caused a sensation, and I was rushed to the hospital for tests and examinations. The doctor confirmed that my cells had gone through rapid aging. My cells had grown older than they should have. I would have to be placed on a special diet to prolong my lifespan. A few weeks later, the missing hikers were found. However, all of them had lost their youthful appearance, which further boosted the authenticity of my story. Despite getting intensive medical care, all hikers died mysteriously afterwards. My colleague disappeared, and I was told to keep quiet. The entire case was shut down before the press could even get out, and no public knowledge ever became aware.
I must preface this story by assuring you that every word I'm about to share is true. It was an unimaginable thing that I, Jake, a father of two girls and an occasional outdoorsman, experienced deep in the heart of a remote mountain town near Texas. This is a story of a hunting trip gone horribly wrong, where my companions and I faced an unimaginable terror. It all began when a group of 11 seasoned hunters, including myself, gathered in the rustic town. The crisp autumn air carried whispers of elusive elk roaming the treacherous wilderness. Determined to conquer the challenge, we set out on an expedition to a hidden, unmarked location deep within the woods. As we trekked further into the wilderness, excitement coursed through our veins. However, our enthusiasm quickly waned as our compass inexplicably malfunctioned. The needle spun aimlessly, leaving us disoriented and vulnerable. A sense of unease settled upon us, as if unseen eyes were watching our every move. Undeterred, we pushed forward, relying on our instincts and experience. But the woods grew denser, and an eerie silence enveloped the landscape. Branches creaked underfoot, and the rustling of leaves seemed to echo with an otherworldly presence. Suddenly, chaos erupted. We scattered, separated by the onslaught of an enormous creature that emerged from the shadows. Towering and powerful, it resembled a beastly figure akin to Bigfoot, but far more menacing in stature. Panic gripped our souls as it hunted us down, one by one, with ruthless efficiency. I fought for my life with every ounce of strength and survival instinct I possessed. In a fierce battle, I managed to best the creature, but the victory was hollow. As its life force dissipated, it inexplicably evaporated, leaving only a pile of bones as a haunting testament to its existence. Bloodied and battered, I emerged as the sole survivor of the harrowing encounter. Determined to escape this hellish nightmare, I pressed on, searching for any sign of civilization. Exhaustion threatened to consume me as I wandered aimlessly through the dense foliage. And then, as if guided by some unseen force, I stumbled upon a surreal sight hidden within the woods, a set of stairs, seemingly out of place amidst the natural surroundings. Driven by desperation, I climbed those stairs, not knowing what lay ahead. To my astonishment, as I reached the top, I found myself standing in the very camp where our ill-fated journey began. It was a maddening realization, a loop in the fabric of reality itself. Time had folded in on itself, leading me back to the origin of our doomed expedition. Now, burdened with the knowledge of the horrors that unfolded in those woods, I find myself haunted by questions that may never be answered. What was the true nature of that creature? How did those stairs appear in the heart of the wilderness? Is this all just a cruel twist of fate? This story serves as a warning to those who dare venture into the unknown, for there are forces lurking in the depths of the wild that defy comprehension. As for me, I carry the weight of this experience, forever marked by the inexplicable events that transpired in that remote Texas town. In 2002, I had just responded to a call outside of Glendale, Rhode Island. We were called to the area because a hunter had been chased by what he believed was a large bat humanoid. Its face and eyes looked like a ball about two inches across, very bright, and seemed to be grinning at him with sharp teeth. 
The wings did not flap but somehow glided away from the man, who was still standing in amazement at what he just saw. It flew off into the trees and never came back out. I searched for over an hour, trying to find this creature without success. I heard no other sightings since then either. There is a bit of hunting that goes on in the area throughout the year. Officer B, who will remain anonymous for this report, indicates that it wasn't something that could have easily been explained. They are very hesitant to share their full encounter due to ridicule. However, Officer B did describe the creature and did not indicate that it seemed to be something that could have easily been misidentified as any known animal. Officer B also indicated that there was a constant stream of hunters in this area during the time of the search, but no other reports were noted for this specific area. At the time, Officer B did state that they had heard stories from other officers regarding strange sightings and experiences with various large bat-like creatures all around Glendale, Rhode Island over the course of several years dating back prior to 2002. Of note, Officer B has indicated that they are considered by some members of law enforcement as reliable witnesses due to their hard-earned reputation for truth reporting of facts associated with their profession. This creature's sighting remains unexplained. Officer B stated that they have seen other reports in the area and has indicated similar sightings in the general area, though no other locations in Glendale match these reports. There's also a note that a man by the name of John Burglary was doing some work in a cemetery in Glendale. He claims to have seen a large creature in one section of the cemetery back in 1984. He described it as demonic, tall, black, with large wings. He claimed that it flew directly over his head and believed it came from a portal from hell. He equates its size to be roughly 8 feet tall of standing. Though this report isn't specific to Glendale, I did extensive research for any type of flying humanoid report from all around the area, and only three, including Officer B's sightings, popped up. All other similar sightings I located were across the country, not limited to southern New England. Officer B later sent me an email indicating that there have been other strange incidents prior to their own sighting. Two years previously, a local youth had been severely mauled by something he described as a big hairy thing with wings. No other reports came out from the area regarding the incident, and the boy was never interviewed or heard from again. Although I think a large part of that is the media jumping in to shut that down before the public got word and began to mass panic. Officer B indicated that it appeared to them that law enforcement was trying their best not to mention the incident to the public. At one point or another, government officials had stepped in and took control over the case. Officer B had also contacted me later, indicating that they had also spoken to a retired officer who said they were involved in an incident where one of their colleagues was attacked by something very large and unidentified. This was after responding to a call in the same general vicinity. This is likely what led them to investigate further when they received the initial hunter's report. I'm aware of several areas across New England and the world that have, on occasion, had incidents like these. There's usually some kind of game or animal to blame, though what is described by Officer B doesn't appear to be anything like an owl or other known species of flying animal. As always, I welcome any further information regarding this type of report. If you have experienced similar events, feel free to contact me.
I am also looking for input from individuals who are interested in real research and would enjoy being involved with a group working together on finding explanations for currently unexplained mysteries across New England and beyond. Officer B, whose name will be kept confidential to protect their employment and identity status, also indicated that immediately following the sightings, there had been government officials reporting the same thing, documented as looking like a big person with wings. Other than a few hunters who claim they've seen something large and unidentified flying around at night, nothing has been said about the incident. It is assumed that law enforcement will follow up with further investigation if they can confirm something was actually sighted that evening near Glendale. But since we are relying largely on bureaucracy, I wouldn't hold my breath. Most skinwalker sightings occur in the US but I have heard a few allegedly true stories of similar shape-shifting entities here in India. I have heard stories from my grandfather and my mother's grandfather about their encounters to be exact. Here I'll narrate my mother's grandpa's, let's call him John, story. It happened in the 50s and in those days the population of the area we live in was quite low. So adjacent villages were pretty far from each other and the main mode of transport was horses. One evening after sunset he was returning home on his horse on a very lonely road. There was nothing but farmland and trees on both sides as far as he could see. Suddenly in the distance he saw a large white lamb baby goat-like animal just standing in the middle of the road facing him. There were a lot of jackals in the area so John took pity and decided to carry the lamb or goat home along with him. He approached it and picked it up and placed it on his horse such that the animal was in front of him on its side with its legs dangling across either side of the horse. It must have been half an hour after that when it was getting a little dark that John heard scratching noises coming from the below, he looked and saw that the legs of the animal had seemingly grown so long that they were literally rubbing across the road as they were moving. He got so scared that he just it threw across the road and quickly ran away on his horse, but that didn't end there. When he was close to his home but still not inside the village, he saw a disgusting-looking woman on the side of the road who started running alongside him. She was begging him to let him on the horse continuously. She ran away when human settlement came into view. John got high fever after the incident and was on his bed for a few days. He is now very old and himself told me this story. I think whatever he saw pretty much matches the qualities of a skinwalker. What do you guys think? When I was 24 years old I drove all around the south end in Georgia, USA in a hearse, I was used to driving in the forest for miles on end with no contact with anyone else. The only comfort I had was the radio, I liked it even if it was mostly country rock and stupid love songs. It was around 11pm and I was on this long stretch of road that I don't think anyone has been on for decades. By that point I had been driving down this road for two hours and it looked like there was no sign I was anywhere close to reaching the end. Soon enough I had to take a leak so I stopped the car and hopped out. I was and I'm a big dude, I think I was around 190 pounds, I have lost a lot of weight since then but anyhow, I started peeing in the creek and when I was done I headed back for my car but then I heard something. I darted my head back and saw this strange animal. 
It had red tentacles surrounding its mouth and this great big fangs with a strange green bubbly liquid oozing out. The rest of the body was mostly a dark yellow apart from the red dots on its back seemly in a random pattern it had slimly skin like a frog and had the eyes of one too. It had a tadpole-like tail but the strangest part were its legs. It only had two and I don't mean it had two legs and arms. No it just had two legs with large claws on them and the ankles were raised like a goat, but they had a large spike sticking out of them like a dewclaw. It was making these awful heavy pig-like noises. It sounded like it just ran a marathon and the green ooze didn't help. I froze for a good three seconds and it did too. It had its legs spread like it was in a power stance. Once I snapped out of it I bolted for my hearse and sped out of there. I didn't stay long enough at see if it was chasing me or not. So that's my story, I know the idea of a two-legged creature doesn't make sense because all vertebrates are known for their four legs and it couldn't have been an invertebrate that's for sure, so please if you have any idea on what I saw please let me know, this all happened in 2016 if that helps. I was 12. Me and my father scouted the area several times. I had on first-generation electric socks and insulated coveralls. It was 4 in the morning on a heavily traveled deer path and we both found great spots in the heavy snow, downwind of the path and concealed. I fell, back, asleep, my sock batteries died and my sweaty feet froze to my boots and my ass froze to the ground because I had a hot ass and it melted the snow which then refroze. A sound behind me woke me up and I turned around. A large doe's butt was about two feet from my face and I reacted by yelling shit because I was an ill-behaved, and heavily armed, child. All I saw after that was a white tail popping up in my face and some pains to my torso. As you can tell, I'm still traumatized 50 years later. I don't deer hunt anymore. Whoa, finally got that off my chest. I was deer hunting on some private land. In back of me was another hunter who had built himself a blind out of straw bales on a slight hill. It was early in the morning when I saw a reddish dog loping at the other end of the field going across our field of view. The stupid idiot started firing his gun at the dog thinking it was a deer. Unfortunately he was also firing over my head, I could hear the snap of the 30.06 bullets over my head. It was obvious he couldn't hit the ground with his hat so I carefully moved away from the line of fire. Later that morning crouched in a low dip some other idiot started firing his gun at something, the bullets rattling the leaves above my head. I was all done after that. Gave my guns to my son and never set a foot in the woods again during deer season. A few years ago, Maybe four or five years, I heard a knock on my door. I live in a large apartment complex with a dozen other tenants. Remembering this almost feels like a dream when I try to recall it now. I remember going to the door and opening it up and there were two men in suits. I want to say they had sunglasses on but I honestly don't know if that's me just misremembering. Maybe I'm just thinking of the classic men in black scenario and it's morphing with my actual memory. Either way I don't remember their features, at all really. But they were definitely in suits. All they did was ask me one question, 
And it was something like hey does this person live here do you know this person? I remember just saying no, and they were like okay, and I assume they thanked me and left. As lame as this sounds, I'm actually a bit frazzled as I type this because I know this happened but I can't remember a lot of it for some reason. Looking back I'm not sure why I didn't find this more odd or didn't share it with anyone. I don't even know what I'm doing here but I guess I want to get this memory out somewhere. Thanks for listening. I was in the 6th grade when I had my first real encounter with a supernatural creature of Appalachia. I live on a small off-road in the middle of the woods. Only about 13 give or take houses are on my road so it's quiet at night. When I was a child in Appalachia, I was taught things to avoid any supernatural confrontation, but it was bound to happen one day. Some rules that I learned were never be out alone after dark. If you see it, no you didn't. If you hear it, no you didn't. Things along the lines of that. It was January and I had gone over to my friend's house who was about 3 houses away from mine, so not far. But it was winter and the sun goes down early and I had lost track of time and it was 6 and pitch dark outside. When we realized how dark it was already she offered for me to just sleep over since she knew there was a possibility of me running into a supernatural creature. But I insisted I just walked home. She then offered to walk me home so I wouldn't be alone. Again I said no. So I went outside into the frigid icy air and walked home. I had my phone flashlight on so I could see a creature from far away in an emergency. I walked home as normal looking at the beautiful icicles and snow piles everywhere and thought I'll be fine. I was wrong. My driveway to get down to my front door is steep and it goes down fast and at the end is the woods. It's woods for at least 5 miles back. I walked down slowly since there was ice everywhere and then I heard rustling in the bushes at the bottom of the driveway in the woods. I pointing my flash down and I saw a wolf, but it didn't look normal. Living in the northeast, I see many wolves, but this one looked demented. Wolves won't strike at you or run up to you unless you provoke them, so I thought it would all be okay. I was about halfway down my driveway and every step I took the wolf looked more and more demented. It had glowing eyes and it was very big to just be a wolf. At that time it started moving towards me, fast. Another rule I learned as a kid was to never run from one of those creatures. But I did run. My front door was locked but I had a key in my hand it took me what felt like forever to unlock the key as it jiggled in the keyhole. My anxiety was so bad and even though it was 20 degrees out, I was sweating like crazy. Finally the door unlocked and I ran in. There is a window right next to my front door and I looked out the door and there it was. A skinwalker shapeshifted as a wolf. Its eyes were beady and cold. It was hungry. I looked away scared of what would happen next. After about a minute it was gone never to be seen again. Every night for about 2 months after that I was spooked to even close my eyes to sleep. It got so bad I had to start taking melatonin. I'm mostly fine now but here and there I still feel like this wolf was watching me. It still spooks me to this day. That was my first ever encounter with a supernatural creature but many were to follow after that one. I had many stories to share about these creatures but that's for another time.
When I was a teenager in early 2000s, South London, there was a rumor in my high school that there was a naked man who looked like Father Christmas in the woods. We relished that story, but all secretly understood it to be an urban legend. After school, me and my friends would go to the park five minutes away from the school, to play on the tire swing and make daisy chains, talk about boys etc. The park was on a seam of ancient woods. It was more or less a rectangular shape with a large rectangular grassy green in the middle surrounded by woodland on three sides. The grassy green had a children's playground. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ground on the right-hand side, butting up to the woodland on one side. The children's playground was large, with an assortment of equipment for both young and older children and was gated off from the rest of the park by two meters high metal railings one summer's evening after school. We were hanging out in the children's park by the tire swing, as we usually did, when I noticed an unusual movement in the trees that bordered the other side of the metal railing. All I could see was a mixture of green and brown tones amidst the shadows of the in the woodland, so I approached the metal railings of the children's park to get a better view. The woodland had a kind of opening in it, at the center of which stood a large old oak tree. Dappled light filtered through the canopy to the foot of the oak tree, forming a natural stage before the audience of children's playground. As my eyes began to focus, I realized that right in the middle of the stage was a young man, about 30 years old, stood staring at us. A group of three teenage girls in their school uniforms. Our eyes transfixed for a moment before I looked down and screamed. My eyes locked on him in terror, but he did not avert his gaze. He stood there, watching us, while completely naked. Touching himself vigorously. My friends ran over to my side, and followed my eyeline. Horrified, they grabbed me, pulled me out of my shock and out of the park and we ran home. It was just before the time when mobile phones were ubiquitous, so we did not call the police and that was the end of the matter. But 20 years later, I always wonder, if that man went on to do anything worse.
There was another incident that happened a little while later but I don't know if it was connected. I drove to Peekskill in upstate New York with my wife to check on the property we had bought for our summer home. As we arrived at the entrance to a dirt trail leading to our land, I pulled the car off the highway, and we both started walking towards the back of the property. The area was wooded and stretched about 300 yards before dropping off in a steep bank and continuing up the slope of the mountain or hill. We wandered around, taking mental notes for our future house. As the sun began to set and darkness set in, we decided to make our way back to the highway, which was about a mile away. It was then that my wife called my attention to a light shining through the trees. In a particularly good mood and feeling calm and absent-minded, I didn't hesitate and started walking towards the light. We walked for about 200 feet until we reached a large rock. Suddenly, we noticed a shiny brassy-like object on the ground or slightly above it, accompanied by a figure standing next to it. We were both certain that the figure was that of a woman. For a brief moment, my mind seemed to go blank or numb as I didn't feel afraid while trying to observe the figure. I wanted to take a peek inside the object, as its port or door was open. However, the interior appeared hazy or misty. Through the port, I could only make out a few glass-like rods with bluish spheres on their ends. There were also some black pipes visible. The top of the object had a brassy color, with a dimpled or hammered texture, while the bottom had a peculiar gleam similar to stainless steel, dull and shiny at the same time. Pipes extended from the bottom of the top and went down to the edge of the object. The female entity standing nearby wore a black rubber-like hood that reached halfway down her back, and it seemed inflated, as I could observe it pulsating or changing in size. The woman's fingers appeared unusually flexible, as I thought I saw them bending in a wrong way, although I couldn't be certain if it was due to the strange lighting. She held a tube in one hand, which connected to the port, and a black box with an attached wire in the other. Her face was covered by a plastic-like mask, and she wore goggles. The woman's eyes seemed luminous, shining through the dark goggles. It was at that moment that the realization struck me, that this was not something to casually observe, and I began trembling like a leaf. My wife held onto my hand so tightly it hurt, seemingly frozen in place. I tugged at her, but she remained stiff as a board and wouldn't budge until I forcefully shook her. I half dragged her into the car, started the engine, and sped away from there. After driving for about three miles, I stopped to check on my wife. She was pale as a sheet, her mouth moving, but unable to form words. I restarted the car but found that I couldn't drive due to my feet and legs shaking uncontrollably. Later examination of the location revealed signs that a heavy oval object had been there at some point, or perhaps the area had been trampled over. Hunted near Feline Rescue Center in bow hunting one day I saw a jaguar walking through the woods. It had escaped from the makeshift zoo this guy was running out of his house. I told him his cat was out in the woods. He denies it and said that it was still in the fence although he had a quarter of beef hanging on the outside of his fence trying to get it to come back. It was out for several weeks and other people in the area saw it as well. 
It was even a story in the local paper. Finally he got it back into his fenced area. He has about 100 cats. Lions, leopards jags. He takes them in from closed zoos, circus and anybody that had a cat as a pet and wants to get rid of it. You can google it. Feline Rescue Center Center Point, Indiana. My old friend's family has a vacation house on the Hood Canal of the Puget Sound. It is out in the wilderness with 70 plus acres of land, only other residents are some cousins, friends, and the landlord. Anyways, me and my friend were driving his ATV through the forest. We looked over and saw a tall black humanoid creature running at the same speed as us, but we were going over 40 miles per hour, and by tall I mean like 10 feet tall. It then started crawling and then disappeared into the trees, and it wasn't just our imaginations, we both saw it. After some frantic driving we eventually stopped and stepped off, listening to the forest, and we could hear heavy footsteps and branches cracking and we returned to the ATV just to find that it ran out of fuel. We had to call his dad to pick us up in his truck and we were luckily fine. I also learned from his dad a story that before the new house was built, an old cabin was there prior. Back in the 1950s, an old man lived there and he was a lumberjack. He was a stereotypical get-off-my-lawn old angry man. One day, some teens who lived in another house, now where one of my friend's cousins has a house, came to his property and when the man yelled at them to go home, they mocked him. This lead the man to grab his shotgun and shoot at them and wound one of the kids in the hand. He got put into jail but was released. He then later disappeared out in the forest, nobody knows where he went. He either got crushed by a tree he cut down or something much worse happened to him out there. My friend tells me stories all the time about things he sees out there. His own regular house back in the city is also haunted. It's a mansion built in 1909 and even myself has experienced many wild things there. Like figures and voices, also his whole family tells how they hear things falling over upstairs when alone sometimes. It's been about 10 years ago now but I was a college professor at a local university in my area. This was a college for an accelerated program. People were generally in cohorts that took one to three years to complete. Generally classes met once a week for four hours. This specific class was during the winter months so it was getting dark about the time this class started and it ended at 11 p.m. There had never been anything peculiar happening when I would leave and often I was the last one there because my class ended the latest. One night I had to stay and do grades for the end of the semester, and as I was walking to my car, I noticed a woman running towards me from the other side of the parking lot. I was already in my car by the time I noticed she was getting closer and closer to me but I wasn't able to get the car started and drive away by the time she got to me. She closed the distance between us incredibly fast. She was yelling, but I couldn't understand what she was saying. She didn't have on much as it looked like she was wearing biker shorts that hit above the knee, a tight-fitting tank top, and flip-flops. It was an unseasonably warm January, but it still wasn't warm outside. I barely cracked the window so I could ask if she was okay. 
I would never have forgiven myself if I drove away and she was actually in distress and needed help. She kept telling me that she needed a ride to the gas station. I was not letting her in my car. I told her I wasn't able to give her a ride. She then put her hand into the crack in the window, but it wasn't enough for her to get her whole hand in. I told her to leave and that I was driving off. She did stood in front of my car with her hands on the hood and was refusing to let me drive. I was genuinely concerned that maybe someone was after her, but I started to get very uncomfortable and got a very eerie feeling about this point in the interaction. She started telling me that she just needed cigarettes and didn't understand why I couldn't give her a ride. I told her I was unable to do that and that I was going to call the police and I was going to drive away. I'm not exactly sure how I maneuvered my car and I was able to reverse from where she was standing and then I was able to make a very fast U-turn and leave the parking lot. I did call the police department and reported this entire situation but I'm sure the woman was gone by the time the police arrived. Every now and then I find myself thinking back to this night and trying to understand what was actually happening. Was she trying to rob me? Was she actually in danger? It's like she came out of nowhere from the woods behind campus. It's always bothered me. I'm grateful that I'm safe, but it was just such a strange, unexpected interaction that left me very creeped out. Not hunting but a woods story that changed my view of the world as a teenager. Up the street from my childhood house was a couple trails. I had a four-wheeler and would ride the trails all day. One day I'm riding and I get this random horrible feeling so I stop and get off of the ATV and start walking up the trail. Well some asshole put a piece of fishing line across the trail that would have easily took my head off. I'm guessing the pit feeling in my chest was being watched or I subconsciously noticed the fishing line. I have no idea why I stopped that day and it's baffled me ever since but it honestly changed my life forever. The evening of August 21, 1955, was one that would forever be etched in the memories of five adults and seven children who found themselves at the Hopkinsville, Kentucky, police station, recounting a truly bizarre tale. Among the group were two brothers, Elmer and John Sutton, and their acquaintance O.P. Baker, who all stood before the authorities with a story that defied belief. According to their account, they had been staying overnight at a farmhouse when they witnessed an astonishing event, an unidentified flying saucer had landed near their location. As if that wasn't strange enough, what followed was even more bewildering. Little men, as they described them, began to swarm around the house, peering at the terrified families as they desperately sought to gain entry. It was a scene of utter disbelief. John Sutton and Billy Ray Taylor, another member of the group, claimed that they had valiantly fought off these otherworldly beings for several hours, armed with nothing but a shotgun and a pistol. The courage they displayed in the face of the unknown was commendable. Eventually, they made the decision to leave and seek help from the police, leaving the peculiar creatures behind. The descriptions provided by the witnesses painted a vivid picture of these little men. They were said to be short, resembling monkeys, with elongated arms and webbed hands adorned with sharp talons. Their eyes were large and striking, set off by an unusual brightness, 
while their ears came to a distinct point. An artist from the Evansville Press, Larry Hill, even sketched an image based on these descriptions, which was published alongside the initial reports of the sighting in the newspaper. Naturally, the Hopkinsville police took the matter seriously and launched an investigation into the incident. However, their findings failed to align with the fantastical account put forth by the witnesses. Outside the farmhouse, they discovered no tracks or any other signs that a spacecraft had landed. The only evidence they encountered were the bullet holes caused by the gunshots fired from within the house. Furthermore, another officer reported witnessing a meteor shower in the vicinity, but no flying saucer. As news of the Hopkinsville goblins or little men spread, the media played its part in fueling the curiosity and fascination surrounding the event. It was during this time that the term little green men gained popularity as a generic phrase for extraterrestrial beings, even though the witnesses never mentioned the color green in their original interviews. Unsurprisingly, not everyone readily accepted the notion that the attackers were indeed beings from outer space. Alternative explanations emerged, floating intriguing possibilities. Some suggested that test flight monkeys involved in rocket experiments might have crashed in the area, while others, in a tongue-in-cheek manner, proposed that the visitors were nothing more than Democrats turned green with envy due to President Dwight Eisenhower's immense popularity. Decades have passed since that fateful night in Hopkinsville, and the true nature of the incident remains a mystery. It stands as a testament to the enduring allure of the unknown, a captivating chapter in the annals of unexplained phenomena that continues to intrigue and bewilder those who hear the extraordinary tale of the Hopkinsville encounter. Over the past two years I have repeatedly saw sightings of an inhuman form lurking just beyond clear view. For context I live in Ohio along the Ohio River, just a mile or two from West Virginia and the first time I saw what I now believe to be a windigo watching me curiously from the wood line just beyond my backyard. I've then seen what I believe to be the same creature coming home from late night shifts. There is a remote turn where I have to turn my high beams off, and seemingly intentionally. Every time I turn them off I see a silhouette of something rush across the road on all fours before reaching the other side and returning to a bipedal stance. I've tried turning my high beams on to catch a glimpse of it on several occasions but cannot react fast enough to catch it. Is there any way this is a Wendigo or any other cryptid? I was walking my dog a black and white pity or retriever mix, outside before putting him to bed around 11 p.m., it's very dark as there is a lot of wooded areas around my apartment complex. I usually walk him about half a mile or so out from the complex to a stop sign and light post at the end of the street, which borders on the woods. Usually there is nothing out of the ordinary, just woods and the normal animals like squirrels and the occasional deer. Sometimes there's that weird heavy feeling like something is watching you intently but I mostly ignore it and we cut our walk short and head home since a brief scan of the area shows nothing is there. Tonight there was that heavy, watched feeling again but when I scanned the woods there was something there. A dog with glowing yellow eyes that looked exactly like my dog, down to the heart-shaped white spot on his chest, standing just past the tree line staring directly at us.
It looked like it could be his twin but there was just something off about it that invoked that feeling of run. My dog definitely saw it too and was whining and staring at it hard. Usually my dog is reactive to other large dogs but he seemed more scared than anything else and wanted to get away, which is very abnormal behavior for him. After seeing it I fought that run feeling and walked quickly but casually back into the gated area and home without looking back but listening very hard for anything coming behind or to the sides of us. Instinctively it felt like the safe thing to do I don't know why. It seemed like it didn't follow but who knows. I do know that I will be skipping nighttime walks for a while that's for sure. Any ideas on what that might have been? Google was not much help. We live in North GA at the base of the Appalachians but I didn't grow up here so I'm not sure of local folklore for the most part. Appreciate you reading this and sorry if the format is weird, I'm on mobile. When I was about 19 I went duck hunting in flooded hardwood timber along the Wisconsin River. It was November at the time and it was about 15 Fahrenheit, minus 10 Celsius, out. Most of the local lakes had frozen over so ducks were thick along this section of the river. I had a 12-foot boat and a 10-horse motor, which was perfect for getting around between the tree trunks, but I parked the boat in the trees and set my decoys out in a little clearing. The water amongst the trees is about 2 feet deep and it deepens to about 3 feet or so in the clearings. I'd finished setting up my decoys this morning at about 5 am. It was split pea soup foggy and leaves were being blown across the water. I was standing about thigh deep in the water on the edge of the trees. Now bear in mind that it's dark. My eyes were adjusted enough that I could see faint outlines and that's about it. Suddenly about 45 minutes before dawn I noticed some large ripples in the water around my decoy spread. I got excited thinking that a duck I hadn't noticed had swum into my spread. However the ripples started getting more agitated and suddenly started heading towards me very quickly. I started backing up as quickly as I could and trying to get my gun off my shoulder strap. I hit a log and sit down on it hard, almost going over backwards. The ripples suddenly turn into a splash and suddenly a huge ass otter has his front paws on my knees. His face about three inches from my own. He hisses at me and I thought I was about to get mauled. After what felt like an eternity of him staring me down he slips off me and circles the log a few times before joining what I could now see were four other otters about 20 feet away looking at this ordeal. After this fantastic occurrence I sat on the log for about 20 minutes before pulling myself together and wading back to my hunting spot at the edge of the clearing. I always loved being up in the woods of Washington. The cold frigid air cuts through my clothes and makes my bones cold. The kind of cold that makes your soul take a deep breath. I muster my strength upon a steep incline through these woods. I keep on telling myself one more step is all I need. When you know you're in a tight spot you always encourage or for myself I lie to myself. Helps keep me going. I turn around as I finally reach the campsite and welcome the achievement of life that I'm at. The sun is now going down and I pitch up my three-step pop-up tent. I begin to crawl into my half-made tent like a dog runs to its kennel after being awake all day. 
I take my baby wipes out and begin bird bathing myself. Even though I am freezing I know sweat is all over my body especially the amount of layers I wear currently. Jeans off, jacket off, sweater off, socks off, shorts off. Ah I feel relaxed and refreshed cleaning myself off after this 8 hour trek through the woods of Mount St. Helens. I open my map and begin to chart my next destination in dreams of Mount Rainier after St. Helens. Crack I pause and carefully peek out my tent liner. I don't see anyone or anything. I lay down enjoying the nature around me and begin to drift off. Crack I sit up and open my liner and I see a face. A heart pounding in this pale white man runs across my tent into the tree line. I begin looking through my bag to find bear mace and my camping axe. I clutch it with white knuckles as hard as I can and I step out my tent. I turn around and see a ring of men in black robes around my campsite staring at me. I run into my tent and phone for the park rangers. Rangers pick up and I scream help I'm being stalked there's dozens of people around me please get here as fast as possible. I stay in my tent staring at my phone with every minute passing by I become more fearful. Breathing speeding up with every breath anxiety shaking my body. All I hear is who phone for the rangers? I bolt out of my tent to see two rangers on four-wheelers armed with hunting rifles. I look and no one is around us just me and the rangers. I hop on their four-wheeler and one hour later I get returned to their office. I get handed a bulky camera and I cycle through the photos. Pictures of me throughout my hike were taken. Distance shots and pics of me even urinating outside. Till this day I don't go to the woods near Mount St. Helens. For the past three days I've been hearing something screaming help me. Help me. Arg help me. On and off. Everything started the night after my fiancé saw something unexplainably creepy at the skate park near the woods while walking the dogs. We were walking our two dogs and we planned to go down to the skate park to train the dogs some more in agility. The park is small only consisting of about three medium ramps and one that barely reaches mid-shin on myself. The skate park is down in a sort of valley and we have to go down some steps to get to it and is surrounded by woods on all sides. As I was about to suggest going down I noticed my fiancé stood still staring into the skate park while mid-panic attack and the dogs were in front of them staring on and off with the smaller one fixated and pulling. They said someone's down there but when I went to look I didn't see anyone or anything down there and it was dead quiet. No there isn't, I looked and I can't see anyone. No seriously there are people down there, looks like a cult or something. They said half joking and half panicked. We need to go home. I was confused and thought it was their mind playing tricks because it was dark and still wanted to go down like something was inviting me, that's what it felt like in hindsight, in the moment something was making me feel annoyed and frustrated at not being able to go down there. No come on there's no one down there it's okay we can go and run with the dogs. No no I want to go home. Seriously please can we just go home. They mentioned they heard a scream coming from the woods but again I heard nothing. And the second time they heard it they turned and walked off quickly and I followed. For the rest of the night they were really uneasy to the point I was worried for them. They were drawing what they saw trying to make sense of it, while struggling to make much sense themselves. Talking about demons, 
nuns, deer, goat skull-headed man, etc. It creeped me the F out and I asked to drop the topic but I knew something wasn't right. The next day was okay, taking the dogs for a walk the usual amount, feeling better about the whole situation. Then I heard something. The first time I heard it, it was around 3am and I heard what sounded like a drunk or heavily injured man screaming for help, nothing specific, just help me, help me. Og help me. And the occasional screaming. It circled our housing complex and got louder near the window right by our bed. I got up to look out of the window and I saw a figure. It looked like a man in a grey tracksuit with his hood up and he was walking away from us about 200 meters 300 meters from our window. Staggering drunk or injured but seemingly unbothered. Still screaming help me. The thing is the screaming was completely emotionless and uninterested. It stopped shortly after I saw the figure. The second time was around 8am the next day the same emotionless screaming circling the house that lasted for about 5 minutes before cutting off mid-scream. I chalked it up to just some drunk kid wanting to scare people or cause a scene. Or perhaps it was someone with mental health issues in an episode. I then heard it a few hours later as I left to walk the dogs coming from the forest that our front door overlooks. Still emotionless and the same words. Help me, help me, Og help me. There were two men by the road fixing up their bikes and people on their balconies smoking but no one seemed to hear what I was hearing. So I carried on ignoring it. It didn't stop for the 10 minutes I was out there letting the dogs pee and poo. And carried on even as I entered the house. It eventually stopped and some family came to visit but when I walked out the house to get a drink from the shop I heard it start up again, it started the second I opened the door and didn't stop even as I was walking down the stairs to the shop or as I came out of the shop and walked in the house. It carried on for about 5 minutes after I entered the house again just repeatedly screaming help me help me please and screaming. Now my brain is repeating it like tinnitus the same thing over and over again while my head hurts more and more from the screaming. Help me help me please. Og help me. The same order just over and over and over and over and over again. I'm getting a migraine while typing this because the screaming just won't stop and it's getting louder and I don't know what it is or why it's happening or what could be doing it. I was on my horse rounding up some lambs in the scrub at the edge of my dad's property. It's hot as hell and it was a quick job so much I've jumped in in thongs, flip-flops for the non-Aussies, and shorts. I am nearly done when I see one little bugger stuck in a fence so I ride back to the edge and get down to get it out. As I got off the horse I flicked up a stick and scratched my leg. I get the lamb out, it runs off to the others and I go to get back on the horse. I feel a bit shit but get on and ride back to the sheds where my dad was. I get there, jump off my horse and look at my leg. Yep. Two bloody marks where I got that stick. By this stage I am feeling really shit and my leg is burning. I tell dad who thinks I am trying to get out of work but says I better get to the hospital. We go in, I get swabbed, and it's a tiger snake bite. Get the anti-venom. Spend a week in hospital and ages on crutches. And just to top it off, while I was in hospital, my boyfriend broke up with me. So, 
Recently, I was in my backyard, garden in German, and my cat and dog started running towards the fence. You could only hear sticks cracking. However, my pretty tough cat ran inside, you should know he's taking on dogs bigger than him, my dog did the same. But then, I was able to get a better glimpse at that thing. It was a dog-sized creature without any traces of fur, black skin and kinda glowing orange eyes. Later that night I stood at my rooftop window and saw the creature running across the street in twilight. Last night I heard some pretty deep and creepy growls and howls out of the forest. I strongly believe it's some kind of cryptid but I'm not sure. Do you guys know more about such a creature? So this event happened over the weekend while I was home from college for my mom's birthday. On Saturday night I had a couple beers with my girlfriend who was spending the weekend at our house because my parents are super chill. At about 12.30 PM, a few minutes after my parents went to bed, I went out to the back porch to grab a couple more beers for myself and my girlfriend who was waiting in the basement where we planned to watch Game of Thrones for a while before going to sleep. I opened the back door and stepped onto the back porch. Immediately the hairs on the back of my neck stood on end and I felt like was being watched from the tree line, my back porch overlooks the backyard which leads directly into a thick woods. I thought nothing of it at first because I always feels a little spooked going outside at night, but as I opened the cooler, I heard it. In my mind it was unmistakable, the agonizing screams of what sounded like my next door neighbor and her teenage daughter, I won't say their names because reddit creeps. What's even more terrifying is that I swear they were screaming a very specific thing, Sam. Help us please Sam. My name. Now I was drunk and already on edge to frankly I turned around without the beers and locked the door behind me as I went back inside. Then I heard my mom's voice calling from upstairs, asking me if I'd heard it. I responded yes, and asked if she knew what it was. She didn't have a clear answer, only speculation. But she knew for a fact that our neighbors were both inside their home. I'm not a hunter but I was hiking in a state park with a friend once about a half mile away from the trail and five miles from the trail start and we found a woman's blouse, some jeans that were ripped from the zipper to the crotch, and a pair of underwear. It all looked super dirty, like it had been there for a really long time. It really freaked me out, especially because it wasn't the type of clothes you would wear for a couple mile hike. We reported it to the ranger station and they said they would check it out but I don't know if they ever did. When I got home I looked for any crimes in that area for the past couple years but I couldn't find anything. I haven't been in the woods without a group since. <laughs>